Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. You know, again, we know that God has something for us to do individually, something for God to do uh, with us collectively, and something that God has us do over the entirety of our lives. And I believe that the underworld, to limited knowledge, has an understanding of those things. That's why the devil works against you. Now, you might not always recognize him as the devil. If you could do that, you'd see him coming a mile away. A red suit, pointy horns. You know, hey, I know you. I've seen you. You're the devil. You know, but oftentimes it is through circumstances, sometimes even people, that can try to stop what God wants to do, endeavoring to do, in our lives. Last, when we left off at the last part of chapter 4, and I just want to reread this because it ties in with chapter 5. And so it says in verse 35 of chapter 4 of Mark, On the same day when evening had come, he said to his disciples, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when he had got and left the multitude, they took him along in the boat where he was, and the other little boats were with him also. And great windstorm arose, and the waves beat on the boat so that it was re- uh, was filling with water. But he was in the stern, asleep on the pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and, and they said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a very great calm. But when he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and they said to one another, Who could this be that even the wind and the seas obey him? It's interesting. Jesus said, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. And as they begin to do this, the storms come up and try to stop them from the doing. As a matter of fact, it was to the point where they thought they were going to die. The, 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 the boat was filling with water. Uh, notice again in verse 30, uh, 35 there, it says, On the same day. By the way, friends, I, I believe that the words that are in the Bible are very important. Uh, when you read the events of that same day, you can see that Jesus was totally exhausted from doing what he was doing for people. So that's how he was able to sleep on a boat that was ready to sink. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been on a boat and gotten seasick. It's the last thing you can do is sleep. Well, here Jesus is on a boat, ready to sink. The disciples wake him up and said, you know, alas, master, we perish. And he was saying, hey, by the way, we want to wake you up so you can witness your own watery death. You know, I mean, this is kind of what they were doing. Well, what's amazing here is that Jesus said, we're going to go over to the other side of the lake. And no matter what happened in the meanwhile was a diversion from what really God had said they would end up doing. And that's going to the other side of the lake. Now, when we get into chapter 5 of Mark, we'll see why they were going to the other side of the lake. And you'll see why the devil tried to stop him. Let's look at this. Verse five, verse 1 of chapter 5. It says, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. Now, the Gadarenes was from the tribe of Gad. Now, there was two tribes that uh, settled on the other side of the Galilee, and Gad was one of them, Manasseh was another one, uh, and they didn't want to cross over 
uh, when they went into the promised land, we remember that they stayed on their side. So it was the uh, actually the area of the Gadarenes there, or the tribe of Gad. And when he had come uh, out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with unclean spirit, who had been uh, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had oft been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. Uh, this is quite a different picture than we get from the Harry Potter series, isn't it? Now friends, again, we, we look and, and people toy around with this idea of the occult and wizards and warlocks and all this kind of weird stuff that we have in, inundating our society today. Friends, this is where Christians grow up and we take a stand and say, no, this is wrong. Now, if you were to read Bible, the stories of the Bible, in the classrooms in America today, you, you would have the ACLU all over you. But you can stand up and read all the Harry Potter series you want, and all oh, that's okay. Friends, it's not okay. The occult is a religion. It's a religion of the underworld, and that's what those books promote in our society and in your kids' minds. And it's in vogue to be in that place of casting spells and casting chants. Well, friends, this is a good illustration of where once the occult, once the devil really gets control of a person, it's no longer a cute fortune-telling session on television crossing over with somebody. But what it actually becomes is, is a place where a person is no longer in control of their faculties any longer. And now all of a sudden they're being controlled by another force that they have introduced into their life, willingly or unwillingly. And now they're no longer their own. Now they're controlled by a devil himself. Now, we don't really know all what these evil spirits are. Some people believe that they're the angels which kept not their first estate. They're bound in chains. And maybe not all of them are bound in chains. We do know they're disembodied evil spirits, though. And they're always looking for somebody to move into. (laughs) Now, um... Again, people say, well, how do you get demon-possessed? Well, I'm glad you asked. You see, part of it is because of our society of, first of all, believing that they don't exist. And so when you weaken your natural resistance that I believe God puts in every human against the underworld through drugs or alcohol, and I believe it is through alcohol it can happen, or through deliberate means, Ouija boards, occultism, tarot cards, uh, these kinds of things, We introduce or invite these spirits around. And those spirits have their divine, their, their, their their predetermined effect on destroying a person's life. Now again, once a person has been possessed by these spirits, the, the person is no longer their own. We remember in Acts chapter 16, a woman who was possessed with a familiar spirit. She could tell fortunes. That's how come we see a, a, a sometimes legitimate Fortunes being told by sometimes these people, it isn't because they're in tune with God. It's because for some reason the devil has limited knowledge of the future. He doesn't know everything. And the thing is, he doesn't understand everything. Because if he really did, he'd understand his, his outcome and he'd give up, but he won't. Same thing that got him kicked out of heaven is the same thing that keeps him torturing all of humankind. It's called pride. He still thinks he's going to win in the end. But you know, it's interesting here that This man was no longer in control of himself. For whatever reason, however reason, this man had become demon-possessed. And in fact, we'll read, he'd become possessed with many spirits. 
And because of that, he could no longer control his bodily functions. And somewhere between the brain and his, and his muscles, these demons seemed to work and could give him supernatural strength. Now, again, we oftentimes want to believe in our 21st century America and world that the devil's not real. And if there is a devil, well, it, 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 you know, he's a playful color cartoon kind of guy. No, no, the devil's real. The Bible tells us how it really is. We can see all the way through the Bible the effects of, of the underworld on humans, and we also can see the effect of God on humans as well. And so every person makes a determination in their life of who they're going to serve. People say, well, I don't serve God and I don't serve the devil. I'm a neutral party. No, Jesus said you're either for me or you're against me. So again, because a person may say, well, uh, because I'm not really uh, a Christian, uh, the devil doesn't bother me. No, the devil bothers everybody. And the devil wants to stop you from doing what God wants you to do. And see, this is part of what we do in Christianity now. In Jesus, we grow up in the Lord. And we realize that there really is an enemy. And friends, you're part of the antidote of the poison that's coming in the world through the devil. And a lot of times we don't want to believe that. We want to think, oh, it's everybody else's responsibility or the devil doesn't exist or whatever. One of the things the Bible tells you is, friends, we live in an unseen world. There's a lot of stuff that's going on that we see the effects of, but we don't see the hand behind the forces. Now, again, as I would uh, look at this situation, again, sweeping America uh, with the introduction of the occult back into children's minds and hearts, Moms and dads, if you've been involved in that stuff, you need to get rid of that stuff. You say, oh, Mike, you're being a narrow-minded hemline preacher. No, I'm not. It starts somewhere, friends. And people a lot of times don't realize what it's really doing. Again, you can read all this occult junk, these religious occult chanting, you know, spell-casting books. Well, that's okay. But you read a Bible story in the, in the school, watch what happens. You don't think there's a force at work in our world, an unseen force, to stop your kids from hearing about the love of God? You don't think that there's a force in the world that's trying to indoctrinate children of this world to drag them into the pit of hell forever? Hey, friends, let me tell you something. It's real. Jesus here gets to the other side of the lake. It's interesting to me that the very first thing that Jesus finds when he sets foot on the other side of the Sea of Galilee is a demon-possessed man that came out to meet him. Now, it also, again, is interesting that there was a storm that came up that the disciples, who were trained fishermen, they understood the, the ways of the sea. They said, Jesus, we're sinking. They knew what this meant. There's a lot of boats at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. The Eurocyclodons that come upon the, the, the Mediterranean Sea, these high winds that come off, they, they, they can change the Sea of Galilee from a sea of glass to 12, 14-foot waves in a matter of hours. The disciples thought they were going to die. But you see, I believe that the wind was sent by the enemy to stop the disciples and Jesus from going over to do what Jesus said they were going to do. Now, I, I, a lot of times I think, well, you know what, God? What is it that the devil uses to stop you and me from doing what we want to do? I have found sometimes it doesn't need to be a storm. Sometimes it can just be a phone call. <laughs> sometimes it can be a broken thing on your car. Sometimes it can be, uh, 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 it just seems to be an excuse to stop us from being where God wants us to be. Well, I go to church this morning, but you know what? Went out and the headlight was broken in the car. So I just came back in and, yeah, but it's daytime. You don't really, oh, I know, but I don't want to get caught. It's amazing to me 
that we can play into oftentimes the devil's hand. See, this is why, again, uh, to maintenance our life, our spirituality with Jesus in that relationship, that daily relationship with God. Otherwise, we may miss what God has for us to do. Now, listen, only Jesus could set this man free from his demons. And the devil knew that, and the devil tried everything that he could do to stop them from getting to this man. Notice what it says. Let's go on. It says, uh, verse uh, 5, it says, And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Wow. This guy was really Looney Tunes. I mean, this guy was really, like, gone. Uh, he'd become overpowered by the devil and he'd cut himself and he'd cry out and he'd live in the cemetery. You know, friends, again, there's, there's kind of a weird thing about the attraction of death in our society. You, you know, I think it's because we've so sanitized death in America that, that, it, that it, it's kind of a mystique. It's, it's kind of out there. It's kind of weird, you know. And so you have the deadies that, a few years back that would wear black and have dead rats in their pockets and they stunk like death. Some of you remember that. You know, the black lipstick and stuff like that. Got to tell you a funny story. We had some, I think, deadies coming to our church on Main Street downtown. This grandma had prayed for years for her kids to come to church. And, and they, they came and they, they had, you know, they had the black lipstick and the black fingernails and, 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 you know, they were wearing the black and I, 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 they came in full camping regalia to church. I mean, they were there to make a statement to freak everybody out. And so they even sat up right by the front of the church. And I thought they, I think they thought, well, we're going to really freak all these people out here with our deadiness. Is that a word? It should be. Well, when it came time, music was done. I get up to share. And here I got a long ponytail and stuff like that. I get, I, I just watched their face go, Oh, it was like, we're not so weird. You see, the thing is, is that a lot of times I think people do things to try to make a statement. But the reality is God wants to do something in them. You know, as we look at this, we find that these, this is a, a very, very interesting place here. It says that he would live in the tombs. And again, because we've so sanitized death that... Um, we don't realize how bizarro this is, that this is where this guy chose to live. Well, notice it says, but when, Je- but when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And the man answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. So this guy had a whole bunch of critters living in him. Now, again, we we know that the Bible tells us that demonic possession is real, friends. Again, again, I I believe that this is why we need to be careful. and, And you need, moms and dads, you need to protect your kids. You say, well, I don't go in my kid's room. I don't invade their privacy. Let me tell you something. Invade their privacy. Look under their beds. You need to know what they're into. And and thereby, because you love your children, you can help guide them. And if they're into something weird, you can guide them out of it. 
But to stay ignorant and say, well, I don't really know what they do. Don't ask, don't tell. That's a dangerous place to be because it introduces or allows things to go on in your home that could be really, really disastrous later on in your life. So he says, what is your name? They answered saying, our name is Legion for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding there near the mountains, and all the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter them. And um, uh, it says, uh, All the demons begged him, Send us into the swine that we may enter them. Um. It's interesting that the demons need a body to live in. Some way to manifest what they are. It probably was a very deserted area, and so uh, the, the swine were there. And so they asked if they could go into the swine. And at once Jesus gave them permission, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And there was about 2,000, and he heard... Uh, the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now, by the way, I've been over there uh, on the uh, other side of the Galilee, and there's only one place this could have happened because there's only one place where the, the cliff drops almost right straight off into the Sea of Galilee. So we know right where this happened. And um, so the, the, the uh, interestingly enough, people say when pigs fly... Um, it says, they ran violently down the steep place and into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now, some people say this is deviled ham. But I can't believe it's suicide. And you know what's amazing to me here? Is that in this particular place, not even the pigs would allow the demons to remain in them. Uh, and by the way... Swine were considered an unclean animal in the land of Israel. And so it's interesting that uh, these guys had an illegal operation going. They had some counterband going. And so Jesus simply went up. Pigs went into the, uh, the demons went into the pigs. And they went off the cliff. And so it wiped out their business. Now those who fed the swine, they told it in the city and in the country. And they all went out to see uh, it, that it, what had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed with the legion setting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. And they began to plead with him to depart from their region. It's interesting that they asked Jesus to go away because they would rather have the pigs than they would this man in his right mind, which kind of shows you the selfishness of what people can be sometimes. And so tells us here that um, they pleaded with him to leave. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and go tell them the great things the Lord has done for you. And how he has, how, how he's had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him, and they all marveled. Now, the Decapolis, those are the ten cities in that region. And so this man actually became Jesus' missionary, you might say, uh, telling them all the things that Jesus had done for him. 
Um, and uh, we find in the next chapter when we get up uh, um, uh, towards the end of the, the chapter that uh, a lot of people had heard about him, so this guy did a good job of what Jesus told him to do. So you look at this and you realize that Jesus had sent the disciples on a mission. That was to go to the other side of the lake. There was a demon-possessed man that needed to be set free. And the devil, of course, who controls, I believe many of the... You know, it's funny that in your insurance policy it says, um, you know, these things or any other act of God. God always gets the rap for hurricanes and tornadoes. But you know what I believe, friends? God put man in a perfect environment... The man refused to live there. man decided that he was going to take orders from the devil rather than from God. And you might say, got man removed. His own behavior got him removed from the garden. And because of that, you find then that the world went into a tailspin. And this is why you see the violent weather patterns. This is why you see the wars and the, and, and the, the pestilences and the diseases and all these things. God put man in a perfect environment, but man refused to live there. And so we see now the result of man's rebellion. And the tendency is always to blame God. Well, you know, these are acts of God. Well, not really. These are a direct result of the sins of man. But that doesn't look well in insurance policy, so they just put down acts of God. <laughs> or any other act of the rebellion of man. See, that wouldn't look good. So, what God does is he shows man the reason that he's in the condition that he's in. This morning, you know, as we look at this, I, 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 I cannot but believe that God has, and I know that God has a purpose for every one of us. Again, sometimes together, what we do as a fellowship, what we do as a family, and also sometimes what we do individually and over the course of our lifetimes. And, you know, I, I would just encourage you to spend some time to find out what maybe that is. You say, well, how do you find out? How do you know? You know, the Bible tells us that if we ask, seek, and knock, God will give us the, the uh, direction that we need to go in our lives. We can pursue a lot of paths that will lead to nothing, or we can get on with our Father's business and do what's going to mean something through eternity. Now, friends, every one of us have to make that decision. Nobody else can make that decision for you. As much as your mom and dad, or maybe as mom and dad as you love your kids, you want to make that decision for them, they will ultimately make that decision on their own someday. So as you, as a loving parent, what you can do is put around them the parameters and the guidance that they need to make the right decisions. But ultimately, it's going to be their decision. Now, the Bible does say... Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they get old, they won't depart from it. So, so we do know that there is a promise, I believe, in God instilling in them through your lifestyle and your example into their lives what they will see down the road. Now, again, when we have to come along sometimes, mom and dad, and say, honey, that's not good for you, sometimes we, 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 we feel that we may be encroaching upon their individual liberties or their freedoms. Moms and dads, that's why you're their parents and somebody else isn't. It's because God sees in you and has given you his directive. See, Jesus spoke to the people in parables. And the reason he spoke to the people in parables is because they didn't understand spiritual things. So he would take something concerning the kingdom of God and put it in a simple story. We remember last week the story about a sower went out to sow seed. And some fell on stony ground and some fell on good ground. He gave a story of the kingdom of heaven like a, a person who goes out and shares the Bible. Some people hear the word of God and they receive it 
Jesus said in one particular case, the cares of this life choke out the word of God and they end up just like they always were. But others hear the word of God and their life grows and matures and they get on with the Lord and and their life is going to mean something in eternity. He said some 30, some 60, some 100 fold more than what they were. I I look at that and, and, and I begin to think, you know, God's got a purpose for every one of us. And again, how do we find what that purpose is? We ask, we seek, and we knock. Now that doesn't mean, well, Mike, I did that 25 years ago and here I am. No, that means you do that all the time. It means you go and say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Well, I know what you wanted me to do yesterday. I pray I did it. Now, what do you want me to do today? And friends, I believe that there is something that God has for us to do every day and over the course of our lifetime. But you know what? If we don't ever pray, if we don't ever seek God, we're not going to find out what that is. And again, you know, you look at this and you realize that, you know, God's got a purpose. and He's got a plan for your life. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226 and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time. For more, it's time. It's